All right. So that's how you raise the dead for everybody on camera. <laughs> All right. Now, on a serious note, um, I'm going to be talking about God's nature. So I'm going to focus on the aspect of God's nature as healer, okay? And so we're going to go all the way back to the Old Testament. We're going to probably not going to go back far enough. But basically what you find is in the Old Testament, God started revealing a lot of his nature to people, right? Mainly to his people, his chosen people of Israel during that time. And the, the point of it is, is he wanted them to know that he is a good God. Period. So let's go to Exodus 15. And starting in verse 22. Bless you. back up a little bit. Let's, let's discuss this entire passage. Because you have to read it in context. You have to see exactly the context in which God is saying. Right? So here, we see that they come to uh, Mora, right? Mora. And there was no sweet water. There was no drinkable water. It was bitter, meaning it was salty. So it's like going to the ocean and trying to drink water. You couldn't drink it. It wasn't, it wasn't good for me. It would actually kill you, right? And it says that he, he called out to God, and the Lord showed him a log. Who showed him the log? God showed him, right? And so he took the log. Does it say that, that God showed him what to do with the log? No, it doesn't say that. It says, the Lord showed him a log. So he went and took the log, and he threw it into the water, and it became sweet. What kind of log was that? We need a bunch of them. We could throw them into the water and make it sweet water, right? But that's not the point. The point is that he diligently listened to the voice of the Lord. Right? And did right what's in his eyes and gave ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. And the word there is, is not, I will put, you know, none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians. The actual word there is permit. I will not permit diseases to come upon you. Because the result of sin is sickness. And we can go back to Deuteronomy. I can show you that very clearly. 
So when you realize what God is saying, he's saying, I am the Lord, your healer. I am God, your healer. Period. So, was it Moses' idea? No. Was it the children of Israel's idea? No. Whose idea was it? It was God's. He was the one who said, I am your healer. Right? We fast forward a little bit. We can even go into numbers, right? I'm not going to take you there right now. But in Numbers, uh, I think, ver uh, chapter 21, it says, When the snakes came out and bit the Israelites. Let me show you how simple this is. That they made a bronze serpent on a pole, lifted it up, and said, Anybody who looks at the serpent will be healed. They will not die. Right? Anybody who looks at the serpent will not die. That's amazing. What was the requirements to be to be healed? Look at the serpent. Did it require fasting, praying, any of those things? Hmm. Under the old covenant. Very interesting. Let's go to Exodus 23:25. And it says, "You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from among you." No sickness. Period. No sickness. I'm, I'm saying this for a point, and I'm, I'll get to it here in a second. Psalms 103, 1 through 5. I know you quote these a lot as you're training. I realize I'm training trainers. So <laughs> I know you quote all these. So looking in verse 3, it says, well, verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Did he say some? He, he doesn't say some because he's teaching them something about the disease. He doesn't say that. He says all. So all means all. Right? Very simple. Very simple. Psalms 107.20. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Right? Very simple. Psalms 147.3. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Proverbs 4, 20-22. Understand, I only grabbed... A certain amount of scriptures so you can see the context of God's nature as healer. There's way more scriptures in this. So in Psalms 4, it says, My son, be attentive to my words and incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are 
life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Isaiah 53. You should know this one very well, right? Verse 4 says, Surely he has bore our infirmities. We're going with the Greek, not with the Hebrew. Greek. Our infirmities and carried our maladies. Or diseases, basically. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Okay? So, just using the Old Testament, I made a case for God that he doesn't just heal partially. He heals all. So, just looking at the Old Covenant, if we think about this for a bit, they had an amazing covenant. They, all they had to do was look at a bronze serpent and be healed. But we make it harder today. It's like, oh no, you have to believe right. You have to do this. You have to read your Bible. You have to you discipline your own mind. You have to do this. You have to do that, right? And we make all these loops and, and, and hoops they have to jump through to get their healing. Right? So what does it buy? We make it harder than the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. But it says we have a new covenant with better promises, right? Does better mean better? So it should be much easier than the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, right? So where, where do we go wrong? We go wrong because we start paying attention to our own self, our own soul, trying to heal somebody out of our own soul. Ministries teach us this is not okay. When I read the book, Latent Power of the Soul by Watchman Nee, it helped me to start identifying things. I don't agree with the entire book, but it gets, it's good to get you to question. Where is the power coming from? Okay? Because just because man in the fall, Genesis 3, handed over his authority to Satan doesn't mean that he lost power. Think about what I said. There's something called mesmerism. Anybody heard of mesmerism? Yep, some, most of you. Mesmerism is basically hypnosis, telekinesis, telepathy, all those different things. What are they using? Soul power. Soul power. They're not focusing on any deity, any spirits, any of that. Just strictly from their soul. If we go to the Tower of Babel, what did God say about man? There would be nothing impossible for them that they put their minds to. You see that? So that's why it says, not by might, 
nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So I'm going to reveal something to you here in a second that blew my mind. It changed everything for me. Because I started realizing it's not by my might. It's not by how I think. Because Jesus kept telling his disciples, lay down your thoughts. Lay down your soul. Put it to death. Because that's not the way the kingdom operates. James and John, they wanted to call down fire when they rejected Jesus. What did Jesus tell them? You don't know what kingdom. That's basically what he's saying. You don't know what kingdom you operate in. Think about it. I'll go back and I'll prove that. Let's continue on. Let's look at Jesus. Mark 4, 23. If you're taking notes, you're going to want to write all these down. I'm going to give you the parallel passages as well. Okay? So it's Matthew 4, 23. Sorry. Mark 1, 35 to 39. Luke 4, 42 to 44. And it says... And he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Every is every, right? So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains and those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics. And he healed them. They brought them all. Does it say he healed some? No. In context, he healed them. He healed them all. Context is everything. Read the full. That's why I'm giving you the whole section. So you can read it over. Matthew 8, 14 through 17. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. The reason I'm giving you a lot of scripture is to make a case showing you that it's always God's will to heal all. All. Not some. All. Matthew 8, 14 through 17. Mark 1, 29 to 34. Luke 4, 38 to 31, uh, 41, sorry, 38 to 41. Shall we read Matthew to you? It says, when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Those, uh, it says this was to fill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Right? Matthew 12, 15 to 21. So it's Matthew 12, 15 to 21. Mark 3, 7 through 12. It says Jesus answered 
uh, Jesus aware of this withdrew from there and many followed him and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant in whom I have chosen, my beloved, whom my soul is well pleased. Remember, we talked about that. This is God talking. And uh, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the, to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will hope. Okay? Matthew 14, 13 through 14. Luke 9, 10 through 11. John 6, 1 through 2. If I'm going too fast, stop me. Let me know. I want to make sure you get these. And we're getting the manuals, right? Yeah? We're getting the manuals printed, so you can go through them yourself. You can see. So Matthew 14 says, And when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he, he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. And if you go to a different section, it says he healed them all. That's why I give you the parallel passages. Matthew 15, 29-31. Mark 7, 31-34. It says, Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee, and he went up from the mountains and sat down there, Great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And he put them, and they put him at his feet, and he healed them. So that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Right? Matthew 19, 1 through 2. And now when Jesus had finished his sayings, he went away from Galilee, he entered the region of Judah, uh, Judea, beyond the Jordan, and large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Look at context. Matthew 21, 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. Mark 6, 1 through 6. Matthew 13, 54 to 58. So in verse 5 of Mark 6, so Mark 6, verse 5, and it's basically this is the answer to one of the sacred cows, right? It says that he could not do, he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a sick few people and healed them. So the sick people were there. Did he heal them? Yes, he did. Mark 6, 12 through 13. It says, And they went out 
and, and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. So it wasn't just the disciples, it was also Jesus. And you can see that in uh, Matthew 11, 1, and also Luke 9, 6. Okay? Luke 6, 17 through 19. I'll give you a lot of scriptures, I'm telling you. This manual is 57 pages long. Nothing but scripture. All it is scripture. Luke 7, 21. And it builds up to this. Acts 10, 38. Acts 10, 38 kills tons of sacred cows all by itself. Did you know that? Kills sacred cows about the Holy Spirit. Kills sacred cows about the anointing. Kills sacred cows about a, a number of things. And you understand as more we go along. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. What was Jesus of Nazareth anointed with? The Holy Spirit and power. What does Acts 1.8 say? Hmm, interesting, right? So you have the same exact anointing as Jesus. Very simple. It's a New Testament way to prove what the anointing actually is. First Peter 2.24. So if it says this in your Bible, you need to change it. Okay? I'm going to tell you what it actually says. It says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree and that, uh, that we might die to sin and live to justice. Hmm, that sounds just like Isaiah read earlier, right? Live to justice and by his wounds you are healed. It's not where. It's are. It's are. Not in Greek. So we're going to talk about something called heirs tense. Okay? Aorist. A-O-R-I-S-T. Aorist tense. So in English, we have verbs basically based on past, present, future. Right? In Greek, they play by different roles. They operate by the action of the verb itself, not by time. Okay? So when it's aorist tense, it's outside of time. So what it says in, in 1 Peter 2.24, same thing it says in Isaiah 53.5, by his stripes, you are healed is a statement of truth through the ages. Let me give you an example of various tense. I play trumpet. 
Anyone playing the trumpet right now? No. Right? You see what I'm saying? But in the past, I played trumpet. I can pull out a trumpet right now and play. It won't sound very good. It's been a while. Or in the future, I can play trumpet. Right? It applies to all three. So this is a greater thing, understanding by his stripes, you are healed. In English, there's no word for it. There's no verb tense in English to portray what it means, heirs tense. This is amazing. Amazing. This is what proves Calvin is wrong. This right here. And I'll show you. Because this is outside of time. This is beyond time. Yes. It's, it's not a continuous sense. It's because then it would be inside of time. Viewing it through time. This is viewing it completely with no time involved. You understand what I'm saying? So I can take this verb and I can put it in time. And it would apply past, present, and future. Because if we read it in context and we say, by his stripes you were healed, that means nobody else can be healed. Right? Logic. Simple logic put in context. Means no one else can be healed because it was already done. And then John 1, 12, right? What does it say? John 1, 12. Okay. Those are all heirs tense. If that was past tense, it means those who believed on him in the past, he gave them the right to become sons of God. It means it doesn't apply to us today. Because it's heirs tense. So it's not just they became. No, no, no. They become. They will become. You see what I'm saying? Referring to anybody who believes in him at any point in time. That's why it destroys Calvinism. They won't, they won't go to the Greek and fight you on Aorist. Because it completely breaks down what they're trying to say. What they're trying to teach. It's very interesting. And I'm telling you, that one thing. I, I'll show you some, some secrets that I've been stumbling into. Blowing my mind, blowing my mind. And I go back to my scholar friend, and I was like, so is this saying what I think it's saying? He goes, you found that too? I'm like, yeah, this is so great. <laughs> you have no idea, like, the power that resides within us. Okay? So let's continue. Is God's nature constant? Yes or no question? Anybody? Yes. Absolutely. Hebrews 13.8. What does it say? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What about Romans 2.11? What does it say? 
For there is no partiality with God. Acts 10.34 says the same thing. Jesus, I mean, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. This is right when he goes to Cornelius' house. So he's saying, and, you, and I, can, I got 12 scriptures here. All saying no partiality, no favoritism. All in the New Testament, a couple in the Old Testament as well. Showing them that God's nature doesn't change. He's not halfway. He's not a yin and a yang. He's complete, 100%, all in. If I make a decision, it's that decision every time, no matter what it is. Which makes him reliable. So it says God is light then it makes sense. The very next statement is going to be, in him dwells no darkness. Right? Think about this. God is healing. In him dwells no sickness. Think about this. This is his nature. He doesn't have to exert himself enforce it upon somebody else it's just who he is that simple so let me ask you a question who's your father God you have his nature if you've been born anew right continue. Did the apostles see them all healed as well? Yes, they did. Acts 5, 12 through 16. Stephen, Acts 6, verse 8. Acts 8, Philip, 4 through 8. And we even threw in Galatians 3, 5. And then does he who provides you with the spirit and work miracles among you do it by? So let's look at Satan's nature. Because the main question boils down to what's God's nature and what's Satan's nature. And it applies to everything. It applies to um, prophecy. It applies to words of knowledge. It applies to a lot. So I'm not just going to tell you about healing. I'm going to tell you about the full spectrum. Okay? Is that okay with you? Yes. Do you want to operate in the full counsel of God or do you just want to operate in partial? Everything. Everything? Fullness. Because <laughs> that's what it boils down to. Because like I said, you can have a hammer. And if all you have is the hammer, all I have is healing, then what happens when I go to a brother and he doesn't need healing? Oh, sorry, I can't help you. <laughs> no. It's having the right tools for every job makes a difference. And God has given us everything in his son. Did Jesus prophesy? Did he get words of knowledge? 
Did he discern spirits? Hmm. Did he do creative miracles? We can go through all nine. We can be here all day. I'm telling you. He did all of them. What was he doing? Let's, let's, let's kind of go back to that for a second. No, let's, let's talk about Satan's nature. Okay. Sorry. Getting sidetracked. I'm, I'm telling you, I get excited. When I start going over this stuff, I get pumped. I'm like, where are they at? Where, where's somebody at? I, I, I need to prophesy. I need to lay hands on them and do something, you know? <laughs> Sorry, I'll get to it in a second. So, Satan was is also called Ad, oh, Ab, Adon, Abaddon. Okay, that's Revelations nine eleven, Abaddon. He's also known as the Angel of the Bottomless Pit, Angel of the Abyss. Apollyon, which means destroyer. All of these are referenced in Revelation 9-11. Accuser of the brethren. Right? Zechariah 3-1. Revelation 12-10. Adversary. An opponent. 1 Peter 5-8. 2 Corinthians 11-14. Satan means adversary. Okay, anytime you find Satan, okay, I'm not giving you all the scriptures for each of his names. I'm just giving you enough to make the point. I like to focus more on God than I do on Satan, period. <laughs> Antichrist, 1 John 2.18, 1 John 2.22, 1 John 4.3, 2 John 1.7. Beelzebub, which means the dung God. The poop god. That's what Beelzebub means. Second Kings one two, Luke eleven fourteen through nineteen, Matthew twelve twenty two to twenty seven, Mark three twenty two to twenty six. Belial, which means worthless. Belial. You know a, I'm going to resist. I don't like to put down other religions, but it's because we don't need to. All we got to do is talk about Jesus. But if you ever compare where the word Belial comes from, <laughs> yeah, okay. She said stop, so I'm stopping. <laughs> dragon, great dragon, ancient serpent. Revelations 12, 7 through 9. Enemy, wicked one. Matthew 13, 38 through, 9, uh, 38 through 39. Father of lies. John 8, 44. God of this world, or this present age. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 4. Great fiery red dragon. Revelation 12, 3. Lucifer. Isaiah 14. Also, you can see Revelation 22, 16. Man of sin, son of perdition, which means son of destruction. 2 Thessalonians 2, 3-4. Murderer, liar, father of us. John 8, 44. Power of darkness. 
Colossians 1.13, prince of the air, the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. Roaring lion, 1 Peter 5.8. Rulers of darkness of this world, Ephesians 6.12. Ruler of the world, John 12.31. Serpent, Genesis 3.1, 2 Corinthians 11.3. Spirit that currently works in the children of disobedience. So he also has his own spirit, right? Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. Tempter. Matthew 4, 3. Thief. John 10, 9 and 10. So let's talk about God's will. Okay? I know I was going to go a different direction, but we're going to pull back and we're going to talk about God's will. So knowing God's nature, knowing the devil's nature, do you know God's will? Is it easy to identify God's will? Yes or no? It is. So let's go to Hebrews 1. And we're going to start in 1, and we're going to read to verse 4. Anybody? You can jump in and, and read. Hebrews 1? Yeah, chapter 1, 1 through 4. Yeah. So verse 3, we're going to back up a little bit. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God in the exact, this is ESV, the exact imprint of His nature. Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. So think about this. He healed them all. He healed them all. Can we taint God? No. He purifies us. So now you understand when it says, greater is he that is in you than he that is of the world. You see this? But you have to get yourself to a place where you begin to believe like Romans 4.21. Being fully convinced that God is able to do what he promised. Fully convinced. Since Abraham did not, uh, yeah, Abraham did not waver. He didn't, he didn't go into doubt. But he continued to glorify God. And he became fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Period. What is that? What is being fully convinced that God is able to do what he promised? You know him? Okay. That's a little general. 
I'm looking for something very specific. One word. Trust. Trust is all it is. Trust. So I want to show you some really cool things. Um, we will... Time has really flown by. Is that the right time? Man. Okay. Wow. Okay. So let me just wrap up God's will and then we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about faith. Sound good? Yeah? Okay. So let's look at Matthew 6, 9 through 15. The will of God. So we know that Jesus is the exact imprint of God's nature. Who reveals the very will of God to us? Jesus. So here is what we know as the Lord's Prayer, right? What does he say in, in verse 9? Uh, sorry, verse 10. Okay, so it says, is, is he begging God? Is Jesus begging God here? He's not. He's declaring that God's will would be done on earth. One of the greatest things that the church is having to deal with right now is the sovereignty of God. Right? Or everything's God's will. And then the atheists come in and say, well, if everything's God's will, and he's a good God, then how come he doesn't get rid of evil? Right? And then they just take that, and they, they perpetuate it, and they take it further, and take it further, and take it further. How do you answer that? You know, Harsha? How do you answer, if God is a good God, how come there's evil in the world? You know how to answer that? Anybody? No? Why? <laughs> you need to know how to answer these questions. People will ask you these questions. So here's the thing. God shows no partiality. So if God gets rid of Evil off of the earth means he'd have to get rid of you and me. He would have to get rid of us. You understand what I'm saying? No, I'm, I'm saying outside of Jesus. He had to get, he has to get rid of people. There would be nothing on the earth. But he found a better way. He sent his son in the flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. You see? Turn that question really quick into an evangelistic point of view. That through him, all who believe will have everlasting life. And because they're reunited with God. Changes everything. I love questions like that. It gets you to think. It gets you to focus in answering the very heart of the problem. You want people to question. You should have already thought of all the issues, all the answers 
to questions before you get there. Do you know that? Yeah, but how, how in the world am I going to think of every question they're going to ask? Right? You ever think that? I do. Oh, what if they ask me something I don't know? I will be honest and tell you, I don't know. Let me look into it. And then I'll look into it. And then I'll tell you the answer. But everything is there. God's not hiding anything in his word. Everything's there. You just have to look for it. Look for it for what it actually says. So there's some tools. I have a little bit of time. There's some tools that I want you to utilize. Okay? So, can you write? There's a website called studybible.info. Studybible.info. Okay? Studybible.info. They give you a lot of free Bibles there. One of my favorites is the CLV, Concordant Literal Version. But that's not, why, that's not why I suggest checking it out. The reason I suggest checking it out is because they have an interlinear Greek New Testament. So it doesn't give you the root words in, in Strong's. Because you understand, Strong's only gives you the root words. It doesn't give you the full capacity of the word. So they cheapen a lot of the words by only focusing on the root word. You understand what I'm saying? Because I can say, I play around. Or I play trumpet. Or I'm playing trumpet. You see the context means all the difference. What if I say I ran to the store? And you read it. Would you think Anthony physically ran to the store? What did you think? He got in a car, went to the store, and came back. Right? It's different. It makes a difference. Seeing the full context of the word. So, the interlinear Greek Bible helps you with that. Okay? Next one is scripture, the number four, all.org. Scripture for all. Scripture for all. All. <laughs> Scriptureforall.org. These are two of my favorite study sites that I go to a lot. Scriptureforall.org. If you don't have a Mac, you are blessed. Okay? <laughs> if you have a Mac, I'm sorry. <laughs> An Apple, you know, computer. Mac. Um, but if you have Windows... They have a free program that you can download that automatically translates both Hebrew and Greek. So you can go, you can see the full context of the word, and even see the different parsings. All right, taking it to the next level. <clears throat> the breakdown of the word, and it literally translates each word into the root words that can make up the word. So all the compound words, it tells you, Word for word, what it means. Great tools to have. Great tools to have. 
So even if you're not on a computer, I can look this up on my phone, click on a section where it says uh, interlinear, uh, where it says Greek to English interlinear, just click on that. And basically it takes me to the New Testament and then you just select it by chapter and it pulls up the whole chapter. It doesn't have the whole functionality as a program, but it still works, right? 